Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 71. You've got Chris and Brian. Uh, today we're going to do another quick uh, industry-related COVID-19 update, um, talk some more about one of our recent force-on-force trainings, and then get into um, kind of taking personal responsibility for understanding um, the entirety of your weapon system. And also being your brother's keeper when it comes to that topic, too. Um, and maybe if you've got somebody new to this, helping them find their way. So, uh, hey guys, kind of a quick industry update here. So if you're, if you're listening to this podcast two years from now, you can probably zip through this part. Um, or maybe the world's melted down and you're listening to it because it's the only thing you have left on that little thumb drive you found somewhere. Um, so you just keep listening to it over and over and over again, wondering if there are still other people out there, Book of Eli. Um, so the industry uh, just got, I got punched in the nose from social media last night, uh, listening to a couple different manufacturers of, of products out there that are companies that we respect tremendously. Um, one of them being uh, Haley Strategic. Travis Haley, somebody asked him about a restock on a certain item, certain color, blah, 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 because God knows that poor, uh, poor Haley Strategic cannot put anything up on Instagram without some jack wagon going talking totally off topic, totally off that product. When is this going to be restocked in this color? M81, God's plaid, hashtag. Um, and, and Travis just simply pointed out, you know, hey, raw materials from our vendors, the stuff we use to make chest rigs and different things of that nature, it, it's not available, and it could be a little while. Um, that's kind of a fair warning for the entire industry. Uh, I, I don't know where Magpul buys their plastic pellets. I don't know what the supply of plastic pellets look like, um, you know, and, 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 and all the stuff out there made of plastic is made from plastic pellets. Um, anything out there made of a raw material like nylon or, or leather or something that has to be produced or grown, um, a lot of these things are in short supply. Metals right now, even though the price dropped through the bottom in the metals market, if you follow brass, silver, gold, etc., um, availability of those metals when we talk to people um, a, a lot of the places are taking that stuff in that, that receive those. They're buying, but they're not selling it to the people that are producers that need to refine those metals to be reused in manufacturing. So they're sitting in great big scrap heap piles waiting for prices to go back up. That will affect the price and availability of raw materials for ammo manufacturing. Um, that will affect the price of raw materials for something as simple as a belt buckle or a spring inside your magazine. Um, or the gun that you're buying and different things of that nature. So um, pl please be aware that if you're out there looking around and you find something that you've been looking for or something you think you need or something you think you want, um, now it's probably not a real good time to second guess that, to go home and sleep on it, etc. Um, because there's a reality check that a lot of this stuff, I, I don't think this is going to be a super quick snapback in this industry. Also looking down the barrel of another election year, um, you know, if the Democrats run Bernie or run Bernie, good Lord, run, uh, run, oh God, I sound like Sleepy Joe, don't I? I can't <laughs> even get who the heck I'm talking about straight. Um, you know, if the Democrats can get Joe to be conscious and awake enough to actually run for president without falling asleep at the podium or, or groping too many more people, um, I, I, I think that even, even Trump can beat Joe. Um, so, so, you know, this could still be a contentious election year if they can find somebody to run against Trump that, can stay conscious for it, um, then, you know, we might have a run for our money and a run on more stuff again. So, you know, like I said, if you're looking around this stuff, understand that this doesn't feel like it's going to be a quick industry recovery. This is not going to be a, wow, that sucked for a couple months. Now we're going to move on. Um, I, I think the suck on this is probably going to push into next year. So if you're out there looking for stuff and you find it, um, I, I really would pull the trigger, pardon the pun. So, yeah, yeah 
one of the things to note on that, uh, firearms in particular are made from very particular blends of steel and aluminum. In um, plastic. In plastic. Yeah. Uh, the contracts to supply those materials to the manufacturers are oftentimes negotiated, you know, a couple of years in advance for you mm -hmm. know, X amount of, say, Carpenter 158 or, you know, certain amounts of 70, 70 T6 um, aluminum um, to do handguards and things. So to, to say that, you know, somebody needs to double or triple the amount of raw materials they need, you know, kind of instantly doesn't happen. Yeah, and, and also from a production standpoint, those companies, you know, everybody says, well, how come they don't just make more ammo? <laughs> um, you know, there's a, a finite production capability with a lot of these companies yeah. unless they make significant capital investments. And a lot of these companies made significant capital investments going into the last election. And when Trump won, demand fell through the floor and it put some of these places out of business or hurt them very, very badly. So it's not something where somebody can just flick a switch and make more widgets um, unless we wanted to have them made in China, and we know how that works out. So, no. Yeah. Cool. Um, hey guys, we're gonna we're gonna jump into our, our primary topic for the day: uh, force on force training. We we spoke on our last podcast about some force on force stuff that we did. Um, we went through another iteration with the tribe of force on force. Um, ran a number of different scenarios, so we're gonna talk about a few of those scenarios. Um, I'm gonna lead off with. With Actually, one one thing real quick. Yeah. Uh, in this probably in this particular episode, uh, we are not lawyers. What we are saying does not constitute legal advice. <laughs> uh, if you have questions about the legality of what we are about to say, please consult with your attorney. Uh, again, we are not lawyers. This is not legal advice. Yeah, and and again, I I, I gushed. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for being the adult in the room. Um, I, I will also throw out if you if you decide that you want to do force on force training with your friends, do it, but do it safely. Um, you know, we as, covered that in depth in uh, episode 68 of this just, podcast. Just a quick reminder, just a quick reminder, no actual lethal weapons in the area. Um, you know, some guys that do force on force stuff will bring a tote along. They'll already throw live guns, live knives into that tote, any other lethal weapons, and they'll lock it up. Um, or just don't bring them or leave them locked in your vehicle or whatever. And then check everyone and make sure they don't have any lethal weapons on them. Um, you know, that, that provides Zoe out one last time. No, no serious weapons in the training area. Um, so I, I'm going to lead off, um, with a force on force scenario that I was presented with. And I, I really, in, in hindsight, liked this scenario, Brian, if you guys follow our newsletter and you wrote our newsletter, this, this spoiler alert, um, he talked about it in our newsletter. Um, I got God and I got, got, I got, got good. Um, we had, we had, you know, generally we'll define, Hey, just these couple people are involved in this scenario or, Hey, this scenario is in this physical area only, or, hey, we'll put limitations on it because there's a group of us there, but not all of us may be involved in that scenario. So to keep confusion down and to allow the role player to get them, or to allow the person running, getting involved in the scenario to be, have the opportunity to, the, to maximize, to learn whatever it is they can learn, you want to set the parameters and, and have everybody follow along. Um, I was told specifically that a group of three or four people uh, sitting off to the side who were extra people at that point in time in our training group that were I were told I was told they were not involved in the scenario. So I was presented with a single individual who it became very apparent um, fairly quickly was was trying to mug me. Um, what what was totally unapparent was because I was told everybody else was out of the game. Um, I shut down and stopped watching 360 and stopped looking behind me and stopped checking six and doing different things of that nature. I was very threat focused. Uh, decent movement away from the threat and things of that nature. 
but not head on a swivel. Um, another person entered the scenario and basically became the second bad guy and, and mugged me, and I, I got got. I found somebody about six to eight feet behind me with a drop on me with a gun pointed at me um, and surrendered my wallet because the, because the goal of the scenarios was to stay alive, not to create and or win a gunfight that didn't need to be created and or won. Um, it's really, really hard on your ego to have someone get the drop on you when you perceive yourself to be a 49 years old and kind of fat ninja, ninja. I met ninja. Um, and so I, I had to suck it a little bit. I had to, I had to swallow some ego. Um, and it was funny cause when we did the debrief after that particular scenario, I'm like, well, I was told everybody else was out of play. And the guy who set the scenario looked at me and said, well, suck it up buttercup because the world's an unfair place. Um, I was very, very, very immediately in my own in my own mind reminded that I tell my children on a regular basis, fair, fair, is something that comes to each County in Ohio once a year. You have 88 opportunities for fair a year, and they each last a few days to a week. Um, 89, because there's, there's, there's a the big one. one. Yeah, the state one. Um, you know, so I, I got the fair thing shoved down my throat, and I felt a lot like a gazelle being eaten by a lion um, with no fair whatsoever. We are a lioness because they're not lazy. Um, yeah, and so, uh, so uh, some things that came of that, Number one, I, I even though I got somebody got the drop on me, which is in a real real world situation, is something that can happen. It's it's a reality check. You don't have control over everything. There can be more than one bad guy. They could sneak up behind you. Poop happens. Um, in in this particular case, though, I was playing by a set of rules that the bad guys weren't. That's incredibly realistic. Um, and so I, I got got. Um, the second bad guy presented himself in such a way that I didn't have an opportunity to maybe grab a gun. Um, I did give up my wallet. Uh, my ego was bruised and battered, but I came out of the scenario alive. And in hindsight, it was it was really a good opportunity to train because what, what's, what's Pat Rogers saying? Repetitive demoralizing failures lead to learning. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and so I was, I was demoralized and whatnot. The beauty of this scenario being set up this way and being unfair was that I had an expectation of what was going to happen. I was walking into a force-on-force -force training. Hell yeah, there's going to be a fight, baby. You know, you kind of know walking in, bristled, right? Hair on the back of your neck standing up, spidey senses tingling. You're doing your, you know, your Clint Eastwood flexing your fingers thing. Um, and then someone gets a drop on you. It's like, ah, crap. And the entire time I was trying to work out the probabilities and statistics of outdrawing two guys with guns pointed at me and, and it all came down to, nope, can't do it. Um... The other thing I was thinking through the scenario the entire time is lots of people get their wallet taken away from them and get shot. And then I thought about the fact that, well, wouldn't it be easy for these guys to just walk me and shoot me and then take my wallet and go? It'd be a lot, hell, hell, a lot less fight. But anyway, um, really, really good learning opportunity because it wasn't done fairly. The game changed on me, and that's called life. Um, great, great, great scenario, guys. And and so, you know, I understand that in some of these force-on-force force training, things that we do, um, even a loss can be a win from a training opportunity. This wasn't a loss because I walked away from the scenario alive. I didn't have to draw my gun. Nobody shot at me. I didn't shoot at anybody. Um, I think in that scenario at that point in time, I lost a few credit cards. Um, my entry passed to the range, which really would have ticked me off because yeah. it's hard to get out of the range without one, um, and probably 150 bucks cash. You know, what? whatever. That's, that's cool. Um, Honestly, probably one of the best force-on-force -force scenario things I've been through because I wasn't able to talk my way out of it. 
I wasn't able to shoot my way out of it and I wasn't able to run my way out of it. It was done and good stuff. So, you know, guys, that's the kind of learning opportunity we're talking about with force on force. When you say get out with your friends, give your friends an opportunity, set up scenarios that they can win if they do everything right. And by win, I mean no shots are fired or if they have to shoot, they can shoot and get out of dodge or whatever. Um, but if they do things wrong, like stop looking behind them, they get beat, so to speak. Um, in my mind and in my ego, I got beat. Intellectually, I know I won because all I had to do was give up my wallet and nobody got hurt. Um, but most of all, I won because I definitely learned something from that. So yeah. good scenario. A little more in depth there. A little more of the ego aspect of it. Um, don't play because it's force on force. Don't play. I'm going to write checks that my ass can't cash. Just because you're in a scenario where you know you're not actually going to get shot or hurt for real, you still want to play that scenario like it's real. And and I got got so really good stuff. And I you know and again not that the previous night wasn't good stuff. This one was personal and worked a lot for me. It's a lesson I don't think is going to go anywhere for a while. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. One of the other scenarios uh, presented was somebody who's let's say like on the autistic spectrum or maybe not quite completely on their meds. Uh, in this case, unarmed, but continually approaching um, the person in the scenario. And that individual, the, the person running through the scenario, did a really good, um, I would say almost textbook uh, yeah, version of absolutely. Craig Douglas's managing the unknown contact uh, and working different arcs uh, to keep their distance and was able to verbally de-escalate the situation. Yeah, uh, with no no shots fired. Absolutely, guys. You know, we, there's a lot of the there's a lot of the stiff arm. No, thank you. Um, you know, comes out of the Jaeger stuff, and even Jaeger, you know, talks about how that <laughs> that's not what it's intended. Be respectful, but be firm, etc. Um, our 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 individual who was put into this training scenario um, had like like Brian mentioned, had been through Craig Douglas's force on force. Um, I think they call it ECQC is what Craig calls that class yeah. or Shivers yeah. calls that class. The extreme um, close quarters combat. Yeah. I, I, I personally know probably half a dozen people who have taken that class. And, and most of these guys are guys who have a lot of training under their belt. They have a fairly significant training resume. Some as civilians who just take their time and money to do those things. And then a number of them as professionals, um, who do things for a living around other bad guys. Um, and, and in this case, this class comes as one of the most highly recommended class out there. And our, our tribe guy who's taken that class definitely internalized that material. Verbalization was outstanding. It was, it was non-threatening, non-aggressive, but firm. Like Brian said, all the movement off, off of the X was solid movement, um, lateral arcing movements. Uh, he did look behind him a number of times, so nobody would have snuck up on him. So that, that was very good. sure he didn't trip on something. Exactly. And, and the, the leader for the night of our tribe who was running these scenarios both the scenario where I got got and this scenario were both his scenarios that I don't know if he brought them from somewhere else because he'd also taken ECQC. Um, but he did a phenomenal job of that scenario, both setting it up and acting it out. Uh, and some of those things, you know, it requires you to suspend, you know, where you're at for a little bit um, and, and maybe, you know, do the acting thing and come out of somebody else. And, and John did a great job with that. So another really good scenario on both ends of things. Uh, I think those of us that were watching that, probably learned some interesting stuff about movement if we were paying attention and listening to the verbalization. Um, the people that had done ECQC was like, oh, yeah, you've done this before. Um, and it, it sounded like somebody who'd been trained to respond properly and responded properly. Yeah. It's really, really, really good to watch. Um, really, really good to watch. Um, I should say a couple of us 
experience the fact that trying to identify what somebody's doing with their hands um, at speed, uh, especially if somebody's got gloves on, black shirt, black jacket, um, trying to figure out what's going on can be very tricky. Um, yeah, I will say I drew to like the one and a half point on the draw stroke, yeah, um, in the four count draw stroke, um, based on you know rapid hand movement that looked like a draw, yeah, um, that actually wasn't with along with three dudes, kind of going from being in a little like campfire huddle to all of a sudden what looked like attempting to flank and approach. Well, what what you perceived as that, and um, that's that was a conversation we had yeah. too was perception versus what actually happened. Um, you know, and and in in this case that scenario, the one guy turned and came at you. The other two dudes really didn't move at all. So it looked like one guy coming at you. And I think if you could put it in law enforcement terms, the way that hand motion of that one individual who is approaching you briskly, it looked like a draw stroke and would have probably would have been considered furtive movement. I think a law enforcement officer, if that were a low light or, or reduced light environment and maybe even daylight in the wrong place, um, you know, I think a law enforcement officer would have been able to articulate in his report that, you know, hey, maybe he didn't shoot, but he drew his gun or put his hand on his gun, which is technically a use of force by most SOPs, um, you know, because there was furtive movement, there was aggressive action, furtive movement, etc. So I don't necessarily think that drawing your gun was unwarranted in that situation. Uh, but we come back to Andrew's comments. Where am I? Yeah, that that might have been an acceptable thing. Um, you know, walking along Georgesville road down by the casino at night, um, might not have been an acceptable thing, you know, like walking Shots around, Avenue, yeah, wa- wa- walking around Fancyburg park in upper Arlington, you know? So, um, you know, and, and so the, and that, and, and make a note of that cause you'll, you'll see this material again. And as we described one of the other scenarios, so. Yeah. Uh, I guess there was, um, recently had an opportunity to listen to the latest, um, university of badassery podcast which was a conversation between Pat McNamara from T-Max Inc. and Tony Blair, Tony Blower of um, Spear Systems. Um, talk a lot about being able to respond to aggressive or hostile <coughs> yeah. um, movement encounters um, and whatnot. Uh, highly recommend checking that out. Um, they have about an hour-long conversation. I believe it's episode 12 of the University of Badassery podcast. Yeah. Uh, we did not intend to dovetail this into that, but the two things just kind of happened. Sure, sure, sure. Um, a, another scenario put one of our guys, uh, as, as, as the individual getting trained, um, up against four role players of unknown intent, um, but the intent became obvious very, very quickly. Um, our, our individual who was getting trained um, very, very quickly went to guns. His spidey senses set off. Um, he recognized, you know, four bad guys moving at him relatively rapidly. Um, he felt like going to guns immediately, um, based on his life experience, um, was kind of one of those, I'm not getting shot in the back as I run away. So you can take my wallet out of my back pocket as I lay on the ground, bleeding out kind of mentalities, um, which generated a really good conversation around, oh, well, uh, well, you want your gun pretty quick, uh, you know, versus screw you. Four dudes are walking up to me, and one of them tries to flank me. I'm getting my gun out right now, and if I'm wrong, and they just really, really badly need to know what time it is or really, really badly need a light for their cigarettes, uh, hoping I might have a lighter, then I'll be okay with the oopsie. 
Um, and it was pointed out that, you know, where he came from, that's just not how things work. You don't let people do that. And, and good guys don't do that. And bad guys do. Um, there was an interesting debate again around, ooh, the legalities, ooh, the after action. Oh, what are the attorneys going to do? Blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, there, there's a part of this where we get it. Attorneys run the world. Um, nobody's really happy about it, honestly. Uh, if you're an attorney, sorry. Um, but this was a reality check to, you know, and, and the question came up, where am I? Again, am I in, am I in UA? And there's four dudes who look like they just came from the yacht club. Um, in short khaki shorts, dock shoes, and sweaters tied around their necks? Yeah. Or, you know, am I, you know, or in, in this case, am I in my neighborhood? And, and it's the hood, and there's four dudes who are walking straight at me, and, and, and it's like it's game time, and I'm not going to take one in the back trying to run away. Um, I'm, I'm going to go down swinging, I guess. Um, you know, again, we're not, uh, we're not attorneys. We don't play them on TV. We didn't even stay in the Holiday Express last night. This is not legal advice. It was just one person's response and the way they articulated that was was pretty coherent. The counterpoint might be, well, then turn the hell around and run away. Ohio's a duty to retreat state. And it came back down to, no, I'm not taking one in the back from four shitbags so they can take what little bit of money I have left on me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the larger context of that was know your operating environment, know yeah. the rules of engagement for that operating environment, know... Have a plan. What, what triggers, you know, law yeah. enforcement responses? Yeah, you know, to understand kind of what what the rules people are playing with. Yeah, that that was a conversation that popped up. If you're, you know, if you're in the hood, um, you know, if you're walking down Broad Street on the hilltop at night and that happens and you draw a gun on four dudes and you're mistaken, they're gonna they're probably gonna mf you and walk away. Maybe they'll call the police. Maybe they won't. If you're in, you know, again, if you're in Dublin um, crossing the bridge. Uh, you know, going over to the, the gamer, little gamer bar there, um, and, and that happens, somebody's probably calling the police, and they're actually going to show up. Um, uh, you know, on Broad Street, somebody calls the police and says that maybe CPD will get there eventually, but maybe they have too many calls for service that night and not enough people to get to them in that cruiser district or precinct. Yeah. Um, or maybe they won't get to it for two or three hours. Either way, you know, that's a win. So, um, you know, again, know your operating environment, understand the rules, because the rules might change based on where you're standing. Yeah, so. and honestly, you know, with the the focus on everybody wearing masks and you know, what ultimately ends up making people anonymous, um, the rules could change very quickly without you knowing. Absolutely, absolutely, because the guy that was worried about cameras IDing him, you know, in a public place, now that he's wearing a mask, maybe is way less concerned about those things. And and all the BS from the movies where you're going to get a good retina shot of somebody with a security camera from your local stop and rob is a, is laughable. It's a joke. So. Um, and the bad guy knows that. So, cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there were, I, well, there had to have been at least one other scenario that's, that I'm blanking on. Um, but whatever it was had to have been presented as. Oh, the, uh, like, dude walking through the parking lot and see somebody beating up somebody else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so we had one of, our, one of our guys thrust into a situation that, I don't know if it was portrayed as a domestic or it was portrayed as just somebody beating the snot out of somebody. Um and, and his response was to, you know, keep a distance, verbalize, say, hey, you know, stop, don't do that, blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't think a weapon was drawn. I don't think either party presented a weapon, so no weapons came out. Um, and it became kind of a, a you know, be a good witness, uh, get on the phone with the police, etc. Um, you know, of course, the guy beating on the other person was like, this is none of your business, get out of here, blah, 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 blah. 
uh, was it presented as a child getting spanked or was it presented it was like a that that or the, it was a beating that was more it was presented as a beating yeah um not a stomping the the conversation was resolving around who was the person getting beaten and how why? badly were they getting beaten yeah yeah um was that person still conscious were they still able to to do things had this escalated from a injury to a serious injury slash loss of life scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Where's that line? If you're watching somebody taking an educational beat down versus, you know, somebody stomping somebody's head into a curb are, are two very different things. And, and in neither case, are you legally bound to act? Um, your own moral and ethical code will decide whether or not you're, you're morally bound to act if you see somebody being killed. Um, and then also the conversation of, do you know the totality of the conversation for all we know, the guy getting his head stomped into the curb um, maybe just sucker punched this dude's wife and needs stomped into the curb real well. Um, you know, so again, there's a conversation around understanding the totality of the circumstances and everything that's happened, which is almost impossible to be 100% certain you know that. And then beyond that, you know, is, is this, does this look like somebody possibly getting injured or does this look like somebody possibly getting killed? And how does that affect your response? And morally, mentally, um, maybe with your with your rabbi, priest, uh, pastor, whatever, have you had a discussion about how you would react to these things? Have you had that internal dialogue? Are you are you ready to play that game? And then legally, are you ready to take the risk that you actually know what the scenario is and why it's happening and what happened before? Yeah, along so. with potentially setting yourself up to be attacked, flanked, whatnot by yeah. other parties that you didn't. Know yeah, were maybe. Yeah, maybe it's an ambush, um, or or maybe. Um, this is going on and, you know, the crazy girlfriend comes running out of the sidelines, uh, with a gun, knife, ball bat, or Fry just, pan. or just nasty, yeah, or front, who knew, um, and, or, or just gnarly fingernails. So, you know, yeah. I mean, so yeah, you know, and, and again, uh, uh, the, that's the thing with running these scenarios and running force on force is that you're put into these things blind. Well, if you walk past somebody on the street, do you know their life story? So how is that any different if you walk past two people fighting on the street? Do you know their life stories? Do you know what's going on? Do you know, you know, did, did somebody steal somebody's goat two generations ago um, on a mountainside in Afghanistan and now they hate each other? Or, you know, how that works? So kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, and again, that's why you should be doing force on force. It forces you to think. It forces you to deal with unknowns. Um, it, it forces you to adapt to situations when they change. <laughs> uh, thanks, John. Um, it just, it, it is, it is truly the next level of training is, is to go up against live adversaries rather than paper tigers. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, really good stuff, guys. If you find an opportunity, uh, we'll throw out a nod again. Um, Craig Douglas, ShivWorks ECQC, um, you know, ch chase that class down. If this is where you're ready to go, if you've got good gun handling skills and you're ready to rock and roll. Um, you know, good holster skills, good gun skills, etc. then that's the next level. But I would also say that most of that stuff needs to be fairly automatic. Yeah. Uh, to add to that, Greg Elfritz with active response training does usually does one or two classes here locally in central Ohio that are kind of the light version or the prep class before you take um, ECQC. Um, check those out if and when they become available. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and again, same thing. If you can set up some, you know, if you've got some folks with some experience along those lines, most law enforcement officers at some point in their academy training and then possibly down the road in in-service training have done force-on-force -force training. 
Um, and, and again, that's, you know, our law enforcement officers are also taught verbal de-escalation. A, a lot of what we practice on the range is kinetic de-escalation, um, you know, or kinetic escalation as it may be. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, there's a lot of folks out there with really good verbal de-escalation skills and, and tapping some of those folks that you know who might be able to communicate that or are willing to communicate that to you and teach you to not get involved in a gunfight, even though you're carrying a gun, um, because potentially if you're bringing a gun to it, there's potentially a gunfight there, whether there was or not. So, you know, be aware of that responsibility. Yeah. Train appropriately. So, um, yeah. Yeah. One last note, uh, as we've seen a lot of, you know, new shooters come into the fold, uh, people bringing their friends, family members into the fold with regards to firearms. And honestly, a lot of, you know, experienced shooters, people that may have a lot of pistol or shotgun or rifle experience, but maybe not a lot of experience with the other platforms, um, take the advantage of now, while the internet still works and Amazon's still available for getting books and reference materials and things, um, to get the information you need to maintain um, your weapons. Uh, some things that are highly recommended would be Mike Pannone's um, M4 carbine manual. Yeah. Uh, honestly, better than the military's TM9. Yeah. Uh, always good to have a TM9 available as well. Uh, I believe he's got another book kind of like that for the Glock. He does. He does. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's very, it's again, very well done. Yeah. Yeah. These are little, <clears throat> you know, three by five spiral bound notebooks you can keep in your range bag uh, or keep in your go bag or whatnot. They really break down, you know, in easy to understand, you know, terms with good pictures and illustrations, you know, how to keep the weapon system up and running, um, how to zero it, you know, how the ballistics work, uh, all the, the information you really need to know to operate the gun successfully. Yeah. Um, guys, uh, and, and, you know, what, what kind of brings this up is, you know, we've got, like, like Ryan mentioned, folks that are, folks that are shooters and maybe at one point even professional firearms end users, um, but maybe stepped away from it for a while, and, and current politics and, and world events have rekindled an interest in this stuff. Um, you know, the, the knowledge is like any other knowledge. It's going to fade over time, depending on how well it was uh, greased into the groove the first time. Um, you know, we've got a lot of folks coming in the shop who either, you know, should know the information or should know better, um, you know, and they're, they're being relied upon as rabbis, and then we've got a lot of folks that are brand new to this. And they're going to the people they think should know this stuff because Uncle Ted was in the army, um, or or Uncle Joe's a police officer, and, and you know, and so the reference material for this stuff is out there, and it allows it might allow you to be a rabbi to help set somebody else up. Where somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, here's this platform," you know, if you've got that source material on hand that you can maybe get that person as a Christmas present or a birthday present or a Fourth of July present. Yeah. Um, you know, then, you know, let's, we, let's, let's pass out some knowledge in reference material form, uh, so we can help out some of those folks and help them get squared away and have that to go back on. So when they are out of the range and you're not there to help them, they can maybe refer to that booklet and say, Hey, this is kind of cool. Let me go back and take a look and see what Mike Pannone says about zeroing my M4 or about maintenance on my Glock or this, that, or the other. Um, and there are a lot of other sources for this stuff, guys. Um, you know, uh, but like anything else, make sure that wherever it's coming from is legit. Um, that's recent relevant, um, because there's some charlatans out there putting out just wasteful, stupid stuff too. Um, but you know, help each other out a little bit. That's kind of the name of the game right now. Yeah. Uh, another really good book to have on hand is Patrick McNamara's, um, taps, the tactical application of practical shooting. Uh, really good book on marksmanship. Got some different drills and things in it. 
Um, I highly recommend his Sentinel book as well. Yeah. Um, just kind of a good, you know, this actually the subtitle for that book is how to be, how to take charge of being your own security detail. Uh, really good reference materials to have on ha- have on hand and to be able to pass out, you know, to friends, family members, um, et cetera. Yes. Uh, I would add, you know, when we talk about the weapon system, to include things like, you know, if you're running suppressors, um, it's your responsibility to know how that suppressor works, what additional widgets and things and stuff, you know, go with that suppressor, how to mount those widgets and things and stuff uh, to your firearms to allow the suppressor to interface with the firearm. Yep. Uh, if you're running, you know, optics, having extra batteries and things on hand, uh, be able to, to responsibly clean that optic without damaging it. Um, how to mount it properly. Um, same with you know muzzle devices, slings. Yes. Um, you know any basically you know taking your your knowledge um, from being a somebody that can maybe field strip the gun to having you know legit armor level knowledge and keeping your weapon systems up and running. Yeah, or or at least in end user level maintenance of a complete weapon system to include optics, lights, suppressors, additional adjuncts, and stuff like that for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, and, and again, if you're squared away, um, look around you. Who in your tribe is not and needs that help? Be that guy that can help somebody get to the next level and be competent and comfortable with that device because maybe they can teach someone else to be competent and comfortable with that device once you've got them squared away. And that is how we win the political battle around firearms ownership in this country. That's how it gets undemonized is through knowledge. Uh, through understanding, through competence and comfort, um, is, is is how we win the game long term. So, uh, not to get all politically on you, but anyway, there we are. Yeah, cool. Uh, on that note, uh, come and see us. We are in Hilliard, Ohio, uh, forty four sixty five Cemetery Road. Uh, due to the COVID related need to clean things more regularly and keep some of our older staff um, away from everybody else. Uh, we do are running limited hours. We're open nine to five Tuesday through ten to five. Sa- ten to five. Yep. Sorry about that. Ten to five um, Tuesday through Saturday. Uh, we're limiting it to four people in the store at a time. Uh, I think the longest somebody's had to wait is maybe two minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no appointment needed. Um, you can find us on social media or on Instagram and Facebook at Capsity Outfitters. Um, visit visit us on the web at CapsityOutfitters.com. And sign up for our newsletter. Um, it will likely prompt you to do that on the website. Or you can send us an email to info at Cap City Outfitters and just ask to get sign up for that. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it. Share, share the knowledge. See you soon.